Hello, we're the Steve Bun Boys. I'm David. And I am not. Welcome back to the podcast for a very exciting episode ahead. Yes, we're going back to where it all started for the Great British Bake Off, episode one, series one. And it is a very different show than the one we know now. Different judges, different hosts, different locations. And not only that, there are two bottoms and no tops. A true disaster. Let's get into it right after these. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so I had actually not watched this before. You've seen it before, right? I thought I had, and then I think I've just watched kind of bits of it. I haven't watched the whole series. Like I honestly, this was all completely brand new to me. It was very weird watching the beginnings of what we know now. Yeah. it's a very very different show it's very different but it's strange to see where things came from you can you can definitely see the development of the program yeah for sure i mean the biggest change is that the tent moves around the country every single week which is very bizarre the first week was in kingham in the cotswolds oh yes yeah. which isn't that far away from where i used to live actually i used to run around there and it's a very quintessential if you're thinking about the great british bake-off where to start it is very cakey villagey type it's place. giving town green like village fet that kind of vibe yeah do you know i was speaking to someone who was from the bbc when i was recording something for a radio show and they told me that bake-off started because mel and sue who were the two presenters on this they had been commissioned or contracted with bbc and that a show that they were doing fell through and they were like crap we've got to give them something else and then this had come through and they're like oh let's give them that so it kind of came around as a show for them to do and i don't think they were really thinking of doing this show apart from that and it's much more documentary style it's actually very like sue perkins if you haven't watched stuff that she's done before does lots of travel documentaries and like lots of talking to the camera about how she feels about what she's just seen and and how she can relate to what's happening in this culture and in this world it's very that but just with cake Yes. It's very documentary feel. One of the things that's most amazing is the way they're talking about it. We forget that baking was very uncool, considering how cool baking is now. I mean, baking was very uncool <laughs> back baking then. Baking cool now. <laughs> Compared to then, it definitely is. I mean, sure. It's, because it's... of Bake Off and Is It Cake and all these kind of things. And even bakeries, like back then, it wasn't so much like you didn't have such fancy bakeries like and people didn't spend so much on baking i think overall actually having watched it i think it's fair to say we both didn't love it it's quite dull it's quite dry yeah um and like it's quite interesting because we've been busy complaining <laughs> about the most recent series being too busy and the challenges being too outlandish and being too much and then now i'm like oh god just a cake <laughs> oh <laughs> like it's wild it goes up for quite a long time as well it seems quite slow but it is nice it really is nice to see 
like that they started off with a very similar concept with the tent yeah for is it, sure. i mean it looks like it could even be the same tent i like the idea of a tent going around different places each week obviously totally impractical now for what bake-off is but i did like that I quite liked it. And I also was thinking like, it's kind of fairer to some contestants because like they go around the country. Whereas currently, if you live in Scotland, you're at an automatic disadvantage. Or if you live in Ireland, a massive disadvantage because you have to fly every week. Yeah. Whereas if it was traveling around the country, then it's at least like near someone each time. It was also interesting, I thought, that it's not like a closed set for this series so there's members of the public just like walking past the windows <laughs> at random points and there was one point when they were talking and baking and this was like this random lady just like staring in in the background almost making eye contact with the camera and it also shows how unpopular it was because there's not crowds past. but there's not crowds it's just people like oh, i'm just wandering to the shop someone just walking to tesco just popping in <laughs> whereas actually now you'd think if someone was filming anything there would be at least crowds outside yeah like they don't try and hide like currently now when they film it the camera angles are all to avoid the fact that there are producers and food producers and tech people in that space whereas with this one they're just in the background <laughs> you could see them everywhere there's like just a sound person walking past and someone with a clipboard looking at everyone's bakes yeah <laughs> like it's really it's very rough and ready and like very rough the, and ready lots of the stuff that we are used to like the royal tour which we've always called it when they come round and ask what your bake is doesn't exist the time calls are done by the judges not the presenters the presenters will have a conversation with a member of the cast and then we'll go outside and be like i can just see how much this means to him to the <laughs> camera and you're like what's like it's very very it's weird because it's similar but so different and also one thing that i like because i can never remember they just don't even tell you how long they've got for the challenges most of the time. And they don't tell you what the bakes are. <laughs> no, they don't. What the bakes are. So let's get on to that then. So the signature bake, I wrote down signature bake, not called signature bake. Don't know what the bake is. and we don't know how long it takes. Do you know what it was called though? They called it, you've got to make your signature cake. So yes. And then they said, and I wrote down this because I think it's really interesting. They said, it has to be something that's been handed down from your grandparents or given to you by your mum or found in a restaurant. Something that says something about you. So a cake that says something about you. Whereas now they're like, I want a meringue based biscuit, which says something about you. It must be a family recipe. No one has those. Yeah. Like now their signature bakes are things that can't be signature bakes yeah but i like the idea of this what do you think i loved it i love the fact that like again you see where things come from like the first one they just called it the signature cake and now we realize that's where the signature challenge comes from yeah. um and but it's because I like... these are their signature cakes like they're so broad yeah they're really open about like it's very... i don't know how they judge to this like they're very different it's not like okay you've got to do a citrus cake they still do a scoring system now don't they as contestants, we're never told how they judge. Like, we ne we're never told that. But, like, you see them walk around and mutter into their mics. And we always presumed they're basically scoring it out of a certain number to try and make it as fair. Yeah. So maybe they're doing the same here? I presume so, yeah. It's just it's hard to judge someone's cake that's, like, a citrus loaf cake against a three-tiered chocolate cake or something. Yeah, but, I mean, they also... It was very, it was very strange because they kind of just said, make a signature cake, go. I, we only found out how long they had, like halfway through the challenge. We only found out we only found out what some of them were doing. <laughs> yeah. We didn't find out what all of them were doing. Yeah. And there's only ten of them. Yeah. Like there's it, plenty of time. This is what I thought. It felt like there was about 30 bakers in there. I was not following who was doing what and But the structure of it's different, isn't it? Because they insert like a little bit of like a documentary fact section into each challenge, mm. which then takes up so much time that they're just like, oh, it doesn't matter about him. He doesn't leave this week. So you don't need to know his name, where he <laughs> comes from or what he's making. Like it just, it's not 
I, just, I honestly I couldn't write down some of the stuff. I had to go on Wikipedia and find try and work out if someone else had found out what they'd made. Well, you you did your homework well. I didn't bother doing that because my thing says Louise. Nothing. I've not got anything in my notes about Louise. Well, she made a carrot cake with orange cream cheese frosting. Oh, well done, Louise. Good on her. Good on her. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I have to say so far, I don't know if there's any characters that are standing out for you, but Jonathan, I'm loving Jonathan. He seems fun. He seems fun. Uh, he was making a carrot cake with a lime cream cheese frosting. I liked the start. Basically, it cut to him to start off with. There was already a whole jar of brown sugar across the floor. <laughs> and he was saying that his eggs had just curdled because he'd left them on the heat too long. What's he making? It's Scrambled maybe a eggs. cake. Scrambled <laughs> eggs. That's what happens there. Um, I liked when Mary came over to speak to him because uh, they were talking about the fact that he was used- he was making a carrot cake in three small three like short tins <laughs> i know what's and coming. she said shorter ones are always quicker um and jonathan said well it takes three hours to take a deep one <laughs> <laughs> this is why i like jonathan <laughs> shorter ones are quicker and actually it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be a deep one no but it does take quite a long time if it's thick well it does yeah for sure, <laughs> for sure. maybe not three hours <laughs> And maybe his eggs were curdling because he was using lime and cream cheese. <laughs> That's vile. What a horrible thing to do, Jonathan. I can't see my nose now because my eyes are watering from nothing. <laughs> God bless you, Jonathan. God bless you. Hope you're doing all right now. Also, God bless Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark did the really shit low. <laughs> so Mark, God bless. He, I think he's a truck driver. He's a truck driver. <laughs> Sorry, I just... David's lost his mind. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? What's happening? Oh, I just love the fact this is a signature cake and it's meant to be like the thing that you, <laughs> you do. Like the, the simplest of challenges. You can do anything you want. You've got three hours. I actually don't think I've seen David lose his mind like this before. I'm not going to be able to come back from this. And God bless him, he was uh, wearing a shirt and tie. He was. He's like Henry in 50 years. <laughs> and he did a cake that, obviously, this is the thing, you're meant to be doing something with this. You've done a million times before. <laughs> it's just such a failure. <laughs> he tried really hard. He's a bus driver. He's a bus driver. <laughs> I think it's just the fact that he took it so seriously as well. And then... Basically, he's made a, a marmalade tea loaf that sunk in the middle, and then he tried to fill it, fill it with marmalade. <laughs> tried to fill his hole, basically. Yeah, he, he tried to fill his hole with marmalade. She's <laughs> never. It's never a good option, is it? We've now recovered for a second time. Yes. <laughs> I think basically we've all had a loaf cake that is sunk in the middle. Like it's a disaster. Yeah. And it's not resolvable. But the fact that he stuffed it with marmalade is kind of hilarious. What I like is though, he was he was actually very upset by it. And Sue, Mel and Sue. Oh, bless her heart. Apparently one of the things for this first series is they, the TV producers wanted to make it like the typical, very emotional show where, you know, if someone's grandma died for this thing they try and like pull that out and make them cry and mel and sue said we're not doing that we're just we're just going to talk about the bakes talk about the and that's like moved on because there's been so many contestants that have had things that people might have seen about them mm. and they haven't talked about that um and haven't tried to bring out this horrible emotive story and this was so nice because sue went up to him and just gave him a really good pep talk even though you could see sue did not care about his cake but sue was also like what i quite liked about sue like it was a very different level of support like the support that Noel and Sandy give to you is very just like, it's okay, you're going to get through this, it doesn't really matter that much. Sue was a bit more like, 
giving him that love, giving him that support, but also being like, get a grip. Yeah. Pull yeah. it together. You're going to be fine. But equally supportive. Like, I don't want to say like she wasn't being supportive because she absolutely was. She was giving him what he needed. Yeah. And it was, it was really lovely. I really liked that bit. I'd have to say one of the reasons I liked Bake Off so much at the start was because of Mel and Sue, because I've always liked them. And from series one, episode one, they are brilliant characters. They're perfect. Uh, what else was made? So I liked Jazz. She made a mm. mango and passion fruit hummingbird cake, which I thought sounded lovely. So hummingbird cake is like when you like you mash the fruit and that's kind of the sugar for the cake. Is that right? Yes. And I thought that was more of a modern cake. Some of the things that they're producing now is like, oh, I thought that was like... It's not a long time ago. It's like 2010. Is it? Yeah. My goodness, it looks like the 70s. <laughs> it does look really old, doesn't it? Uh, then Miranda made a triple layered brownie meringue cake. So she baked brownie and then she put meringue on top, then rebaked that to put the meringue on it. That sounded delicious. Yeah, it did. And like then she a had a raspberry cake. cream, which sounded quite good as well cream. because raspberries are a bit sharp to kind of cut through. Yeah, then when the, in the judging, they didn't like the raspberry cream though because Paul said he didn't like the colour of it, which was just pink. Which was pink, yeah. And the colour of raspberries. That didn't make any sense to me. I will say though that Paul came across better i think in this series than he does in the current ones definitely because he's actually giving like he's giving knowledge about bakes so when she's talking about the hummingbird cake he's like oh that could have a problem with the structure because this might not mean the proteins and like he was talking through stuff which made sense to the camera and it was nice to see him like show expertise yeah either he's forgotten how to do it because he doesn't bake as much anymore mm. or i do remember i have to say from you kind of forget things don't you but when we were on i remember thinking that paul gave a lot more constructive criticism that they just cut out of the judging but well, i remember during bread week after each showstopper he, he paused and then told the whole tent like things that they could have improved and like actual like genuine helpful advice yeah to the room, which wasn't really helpful for the edit, I suppose. It kind of takes away the tension, but like, it was really, it made me respect him a lot more. I know, I think they should add a bit more of that in nowadays. Mm. Um, mm. I really liked Lee's cake. She was doing a cramping pistachio one and she dropped it out of the oven, probably the first onto drop. Onto the oven door. Onto the oven door. And but it's maybe why they don't have them anymore. It didn't collapse at all. It just like survived. So it shows it must've been quite a sturdy cake. A rock cake is what she <laughs> made. She made a rock cake. I liked Ruth's lemon drizzle cake, which she made in three round layers with cream and lemon curd and orange curd and stuff in between. But then when it came to judging, it was kind of oozing a bit. And Mary said, it's difficult, isn't it? Holding in that cream. <laughs> <laughs> Mary would know. <laughs> but that was the cake that they seemed to like the most. That was the star cake for the first yeah, challenge. I think for sure. And it did look spectacular. There was a cake investigation. I wrote down, apparently cakes used to be sexy bread. And that's oh. what I wrote down there. I didn't really look at much of the history stuff. I kind of I was, sped I was, through it. I mean, it was interesting enough, but I was a bit just like, oh, get back to the baking now then. Yeah, and you, I th you can see why they've cut it now. Yeah. Final thing to say, Anita made a black cake, which sounded incredible. A black Jamaican cake. Yeah, it was like mm. all of the fruit was soaked. And that's the kind of thing where it's like, that is a signature cake. That's come from a family and it sounded amazing. And when they judged it, they said it was fabulous. What, do you mean you don't have a signature chocolate coated biscuit bar with three different elements, <laughs> one baked, one set and one tempered chocolate? That my grandma made every single week growing up, yeah. Grow up, producers. <laughs> <laughs> so the technical which i loved yes was a victoria sponge and that's it so it says victoria sponge they gave them the ingredients and that was all they gave them which is brilliant because nowadays everyone complains when it's just the ingredients thing oh there's nothing in the method yes but that's because which... they're saying make this 
bun from uh, Amsterdam, which yes. was made in, in the 1560s. And here's the recipe, but there's no method. Exactly. Whereas this is good because it actually shows up people's technical knowledge because people should know how to make a Victorian mm. sponge. And so you should. And you might not remember the method. You're never going to be able to remember the amounts. So they give you the amounts. But you should but, be able to remember the amounts. I mean, yeah, you should as well for a Victoria sponge. But yeah, it's which really are, good. David? Well, I do mine with, I weigh my eggs. That's what I do. And then I do equal with the other things. Because it's quite, that's, I mean, it's, a sponge is very simple like that. Yeah. Equal of what? Sugar, mm-hmm. self-raising flour and butter. But sometimes I do half butter, half oil. Because it makes it moister. Yeah, but you still get the flavour. The problem is with a traditional Victoria sponge, there is no, congratulations also. Thank well you very done. much. Uh, there's no baking, there's no raising agent in a traditional one. Yes. So you have to beat the shit out of those eggs. Not those eggs, those, that butter. Yeah. And I think with the very traditional one in the Victorian times, apparently they put a little bit of flour when they're beating it. Because then that flour absorbs more of the liquid and gets more moist, apparently. There's something in there about adding something to being beaten, but we'll just move. We'll <laughs> they move did do it. different things, didn't they? They didn't all do it exactly the same. But what was weird was that each... So there was no time limit for the whole challenge. There was a time limit for each section of the recipe. Yes. So Paul was prowling around being like, right, you've got two minutes before it goes in the oven. And they then I presumably had to put it in the oven, whatever state it was in. Which then I think, especially week one, I think I would have been thinking so much about the time that I might have gone more fully all in one mix because you can mix it all together. Yeah. You just don't get as nice a texture instead of beating the butter and the sugar till it's really They all creamy. look so different by the end. I mean, Jonathan's definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> Again, God bless Jonathan. I must say... I laughed out loud sitting in my living room on my own when Paul said, the technical challenge for me is the most important. Looking at where we are now, yes, someone can win technical and go home. Exactly. Someone can win the technical and not even do too bad in the signature and the showstopper and go home. Someone can be called to Lena and be sent home. It's <laughs> basically what we're saying. <laughs> but it is true that it's frustrating because the technical is the one, first of all, that you see a ranking for as well when you're yeah. watching the TV. And yet it seems to mean so little. And it is a really good show of who, because the other ones, depending on how much time you've got and whether you can be bothered, you can practice so much. Yeah. Whereas the technical, you can't. And it throws people, so it should be more important. And there was no ranking for this. It was a top three and a bottom three. So the bottom three was Miranda, Lee, and our favourite, Jonathan. And then third place was David. Second place was Anita. And first place was Ed Kimber. Ed Kimber. Ed Kimber, indeed. So the showstopper wasn't called a showstopper. It was just called a make a chocolate celebration cake, which, again, I love as a challenge. It's a bit more focused. It has to be a celebration, but they can do anything. Yeah, I really liked that concept as well, actually. If this episode was done now, I would absolutely love this episode. It was really interesting, actually, with this, because... Obviously, they've got nothing to compare it to previously. So some of them just like made a very, very simple cake with some fruit on top. And other people like did a really, really massive job of like, I mean, was it David that he was making a Black Forest Gatto um, and it had like tempered chocolate leaves and mushrooms. Yeah. And the way he made the mushrooms, he wrapped an egg in cling film, dipped that in tempered chocolate, then hung it in the freezer to set. Like that was like so ingenious. It looked, I know his looked really good because I loved the idea. It was like a forest floss. So all the, he didn't have to like put the leaves all nicely. He could just scatter them on the cake, but also with raspberries and cherries in there. It was actually a very it, clever idea. Inc- I thought it looked stunning. Most people uh, did just fresh fruit. Ruth did a chocolate collar with truffles, which is a nice idea, I thought. And her chocolate collar looked very well it done. It looked really impressive. And then Lee, <laughs> when she, so Lee was having a disaster. <laughs> at the end she just like quartered a pineapple like yes. lengthways and just jammed it into the cake <laughs> she did she wanted it to be fruity it's like not the most sophisticated decoration Lee 
<laughs> there was some brilliant stuff in that. Um, Mark was also making our favorite bus driver. Mark was making a beetroot chocolate cake. <laughs> what are you laughing at now? <laughs> Just what? Mark. It was. He, he You're did still very... thinking about the marmalade hole. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm thinking about his decoration for his beetroot marmalade, marmalade hole. Cake. I'm sure that's what. No, I was about to make a really rude joke about Paddington, <laughs> but I think we should probably leave it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, his beetroot cake. It actually did. The judges liked it. It was very rich. And Mary said she'd never had a beetroot chocolate. And he beetroot said cake it's before. something I would do for a romantic occasion. And he brought it out on this massive blue platter. It looked. It didn't look very nice, but you could tell it was actually a very good cake. Beetroot's meant to make a chocolate cake quite soft and nice and a I bit earthier. It's really good. Yeah, I've done them before. So good on you, Mark. Shame he still went home. Uh, <laughs> it was a shame. I'd love to see more of Mark. Also, um, I must say that we didn't know what Ed made. Um, and we didn't know what Jazz made. Like It just wasn't said. Yeah. Was, at no point did they say what they were making or how it tasted. It just didn't happen. We just know it was chocolate. Probably. We just know it was pro- probably chocolate, but we don't know that either. Because the whole second part was taken up by a documentary section. And I was like, what? surely if you're doing a competition, yes, the documentary section is great, but we didn't know you need to focus on something. Yeah. They could have done one documentary thing for the whole of the show. They didn't need to do three. Yeah, I think I thought perhaps, I hadn't watched it, but I expected there to be a signature challenge as normal or ish, then technical, and they'll do a bit of documentary in the technical. Yes. Because the technical really is normally sort of the most boring challenge to watch. Yeah. And then the showstopper, they would do the showstopper. I thought but that there was maybe three. That- I think that's what happens. We'll have to see as we watch through the series. But I think it does go to that. I don't think that in like the later ones, like series three or something, I don't think they've got history bits in every single section. Hopefully not, because this is going to get a very boring podcast, isn't it? Right, so elimination then. So it was a double elimination. There's no star baker, no top, two bottoms. Sounds like a film. And it was Mark and Lee that yes. were sent home this week. Do you know what though? I actually thought that both of them did actually have quite a lot of potential. I, I agree that anyone did... did that badly apart from the marmalade incident. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan's Victoria sandwich cake was two oh, Yorkshire yes. puddings. That wasn't good. So he did manage. I can't remember he what he fill, did. He didn't fill that hole with marmalade, did he? He, did. <laughs> he just left it. He filled his hole with cream. That was, that was gaping, though. <laughs> Jonathan's was definitely gaping. But yeah, I think, but Jonathan obviously must have saved it. But we don't know. The showstopper one we didn't hear as much. So obviously some people saved themselves and Mark and Lee didn't. Well, I enjoyed that, though I could have done with less fact, I think. It felt like I was at school at some points. Yes, but if you paid more attention to them, you might not have to text me all the time for baking advice. I don't need to text you, David. I've got your book. Which one? Available in all good bookstores. That is plenty of that. Shall we get on to the taste test? Yes, this one comes first from me. I really like the taste of milk, which is on the turn. Of course you do. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I like the flavour just as it starts to go off. Well, we all know the drill. Is David on to something or should he be sent to jail immediately? And there is a correct answer. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, it's us, advertising our OnlyFans again. If everyone just joined it, we could probably talk about this a little bit less, to be honest. Actually, if we all just make a point to pause the episode right now and go to patreon.com forward to Sticky Bun Boys to sign up, then we can stop doing these ads forever. Nice plan! For a small handful of change, you'll get access to early and ad-free episodes, as well as bonus content, including regular Q&As, access to our online community, and much more. Plus, you get a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling knowing you're helping us to keep doing the podcast. What more could you ask for? Whew, thank goodness this is the last ad we'll ever do. For this week anyway let's dive straight into that inbox section but before we do alex has some thoughts for david i've just got like one question when you get the milk in what circumstance are you using it oh like for on cereal and things like that so you're getting all the little globules when it's all no 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 no, no 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 but this is on the turn <laughs> See, that actually makes me want to retch that is horrible so you guys have already gone to the cheese level i don't let my milk go that bad it's just when it's just going and it's just got a bit more flavor to it maybe a couple of days past the use by day no jail no way and uh, the food standards agency would also say jail to be honest the milk's probably off in jail so that's fine for me it's not all that's no (laughs) no not gonna go there (laughs) (laughs) right on to the inbox so this one's from chuck do you know what chuck messages quite a lot actually he's our friend one of our bottoms yeah he's always one of our bottoms one of our bottoms (laughs) i call him a friend but michael calls him a bottom (laughs) right so chuck says hi boys Right, regarding this week's podcast, in the US, the pound sign, or hashtag, as we call it, has long been used in commercial correspondence to mean pounds. For example, three pounds of sugar would be three hashtag slash pound sign. I'd known it as the pound sign for years before hashtags were devised. Oh, was that from, tra- that was in Traitors, wasn't it? Yeah, on the wall. because we were getting confused because she kept on saying pound instead of hashtag for what we thought the hashtag and so then i was thinking but do they not have because i was confusing with our pound sterling like our currency but actually on my mac just looking at it now the three if you use the shift key for three it gives you a pound coin but if you use the option it gives you a hashtag yes it's on the same place but Look now we're an educational podcast yeah but now i get it they means weight i just never thought that i was thinking currency but it makes sense for weight so we're also basically doing that documentary section that mel and sue did Yes, let's stop. We'll stop that because that was boring. <laughs> so then the separate thing that Chuck says at the end, he says, what do you think about grilled cheese sandwiches with jam added right before eating? No, is what I think about that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the jam. Cheese and jam, though. But chilli jam, you've had chilli jam before. 
Yeah, because that okay, is really sure. quite yeah, sweet. I was thinking it... raspberry, but if it was a chili jam or like, well, no, only a chili jam, I think I would accept. Yeah, and I think a chili jam still has a bit of like a vinegary taste, so it's more of a chutney. My dad makes a really good apple butter. Have you had apple butter before? No. I can only really describe it as like a chutney, but made with apple and it's smooth. Oh, it's not got butter in it at all. No, it's not. It's, it's oh. like almost like it's the, the concept is like it's butter made from apple. I had a book that was all about how to make jams and it called it Jams, Conserves and Butters. Mm. And so that must be like that. They must have all been fruit. Oh, it's based. so good. Honestly, with like a cheese board, when you're feeling fancy, apple mm. butter on that. Oh, and stunning. do you dip or do you spread it on your bread? I don't crackers, please darling um <laughs> crackers and oatcakes well you need to get your dad's recipe and we need to put up we need to try this i could do that actually. does it have certain apples i've got some in the cupboard should i go and get some yeah okay quick pause okay david put it in your mouth oh it's sticky <laughs> mm. you said actually, that before <laughs> it's actually oh mm. wow that is actually delicious it's so it's dark and smooth so it's been cooked down for quite a long time has it it's like almost caramelized it's, it's kind of sweet but also quite savory do you know what it reminds me of you know how the Spanish have membrillo, that quince jelly stuff mm-hmm. you have with cheese. It's kind of like a Scottish version of that. Oh, it's, it's really right. nice. It kind of goes to the sides of your palate, but it, it's kind of sweet enough to go with a cheese. A really salty cheese would be lovely. Right. <laughs> salty cheese. So actually, perhaps I shouldn't have gone in so hard on Chuck. No, you shouldn't. And also, Chuck, you should try Michael's dad's apple butter. There you go. I don't feel like I want to share that recipe. I feel like that's my dad's. No, people, they could probably look up a version. There you are. Don't look up my dad. Right. This next one is from Morgan. Hi, David and Michael. I know you don't like reading the compliments. I mean, she's not talking to you. She's talking to me. So I do. Uh, (laughs) But I love your show. And I'm so glad you're giving us an excuse to rewatch past seasons for the millionth time. Just to be clear, I do like reading the compliments. I just don't love reading them out loud. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Speaking of past seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do love them. Speaking of past seasons, do the contestants from the first few seasons not really interact with those from more recent seasons? I see people from the newer seasons mingling on social media all the time, but never see anyone from the first two, and only John Waite from season three. Anyway, I was just curious if there is a reason for that. It is true. I think they've just got on with their lives. But I think there's a natural progression of that. Like, I think our season, our lot, are all kind of in the process of going back to our lives. And like... Yeah. So I think kind of there's a kind of a time span where you're in the public eye in air quotes and you're kind of in the Bake Off world. Like you're kind of still excited by the show and you still want to get engaged with everybody. And that kind of dies off as you just want to get back to normality a bit. And a lot of the people from the first series weren't necessarily young when they were on the show. And so they probably don't really have social media. I don't use it in the same way that Well, social media didn't really exist. Like in 2010, that's what I was. I was still at primary school then. Oh, Ouch, I wasn't. You, you'd you graduated. <laughs> yeah. Had you actually? 2010. Yeah, I'd graduated. Sure. <laughs> there's about, there's almost exactly 10 years between us. But social media didn't really exist then. Like it didn't really, no. it wasn't really a thing. And therefore there wasn't really a way for them to connect. No, in fact, I remember when I was at university, my friend gave me a special link to get Facebook. Because at that time, it was only certain universities really? in the US had been allowed to get it. And then... And his... was that done on chalkboards? He basically, yeah. Yeah, and you put them Slates. in your window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love that for you. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it's probably mainly that because I think they probably do meet up with each other and things still. Mm. But Ed Kimber from Series 1, he is very, he's probably the only person, him and John Waits from those first few series mm. are probably the only ones that you kind of see a lot on he social media. He lives fairly near here as well. Yeah, he um, does. I think there's something to do with the casting as well, though, like the casting of this first series particularly. I don't know about the other ones yet. 
but they're all a, a very a certain demographic who are kind of more settled in their lives anyway. Yeah. Like the I'm... reason our year is so close is because we were all in a very similar place, but that similar place wasn't that we were settled. Our similar place was that we were all still kind of like finding our footing in the world of it. Yeah. Whereas this lot are all kind of like families settled down. And so a lot of the newer series, there are people that apply for Bake Off because they're media whores and they want to be in everything and every Name event. Name their so... names. <laughs> I don't, we all know I, who you're talking I don't about. I and... think the only flans know who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, well, there's a lot and I'm not meaning it as negative. There's some people that apply for Bake Off. I know, for example, I know that Freya, she hadn't done a lot of baking. Her mm. thing is she wanted to go on TV and be on a TV show. So then she thought, oh, I'll do it by learning bake and going on Bake Off. And there's quite a few people like that. And so they're more naturally going to be people that want Turns to kind out, of... she's very good at it. Yeah. And <laughs> that vegan baking book is absolutely iconic. Yeah. And she wants to like, so those, therefore those people are going to spend more time go, doing the social media thing and meeting mm. up with bakers and trying to go to every event. Um, so I think that's also changed. There's a lot of people that go into it for that reason yeah right next question is from alicia hi david and michael why is it always david and michael why isn't it michael and david everybody says david and michael because david won do you reckon it's just well i was gonna say alphabetical but you surely your brain doesn't go to alphabetical it's rude (laughs) that's what it is continue okay hi david and michael (laughs) my name is alicia pronounced like alicia but with an e I don't know if I'm saying that right, but anyway. And I'm from Texas and an elementary school teacher. I love Bake Off and like so many others, y'all season is my favorite. We've had a y'all, so you have to do it in the accent now. Pretty much everybody thinks it's a favorite. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no you do, because you made me do I it. love baking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, that's fat. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love baking. But when it comes to a pie crust, it never quite works out for me. Lol. On your podcast, <laughs> would you be able to not share? The lol. Not the like, That's not when Christelle goes, I am screaming. <laughs> lol (laughs) (laughs) on the podcast would you be able to share your favorite short crust recipe how long do you chill it for i either don't chill it for long enough or chill it too long when i start rolling out my pie crust to get a perfect circle it always gets very odd shaped and then i'm trying to piece it together like my in my pie plate do you have any tips on how to get a perfectly circled pie crust well the first thing is nobody is able to roll their pastry out into a perfect circle it always looks odd shaped it just needs to be odd shaped and big enough that it will fit into the tin (laughs) yeah and there's not it doesn't need to be mine's always square because i can't be asked doing that like rolling turn slightly rolling turn slightly i roll it and i turn it a full 90 degrees and roll it so it ends up as a big square and then i just kind of i fold the corners into the center to kind of make it smaller and kind of lift that and plop it into the middle. Sorry oh, for using the word plop there. I, <laughs> I did it rolling around the rolling pin and then spread it back out again. Because I worry about rolling it around the rolling pin that it'll stick to itself. Yeah, it can do sometimes. I think that, like you say, it doesn't need to be perfectly square. And also my counter's wood and it's not actually even anyway, so I can never get it to a perfect circle. I think some people, I know that Nancy Burswistle, she rolls hers instead of putting Does she flour, use bicarbonate of soda? <laughs> she because does every single thing she does is using bicarbonate of soda. She does. She probably she she cleans her counters with bicarbonate of soda, then she starts rolling. <laughs> and she uses cereal packets, old cereal packets, so that and instead yes. of flour to do it, which I've tried before, but I actually quite like just doing it with flour and turning it each time. But I think you do have to let it chill. Because yeah. you've got to let the starch absorb all the water in the flour. And the colder it is, the easier it is to lift without it sticking to itself. Yes, but it doesn't matter if it's crumbly. If you've let it chill too long, all you have to do is knead it very gently. You don't want to knead it properly because otherwise it'll get tough. But knead it gently. We know how to knead gently. Just don't caress we? it. Just, Just caress, caress it. it. Just till it gets malleable again. Give it a little kiss. But all of the shortcrust pastry... Actually, sometimes when my pastry is too hard, I have to give it like a proper whack. 
Yeah, yeah, you do, yeah. Like you just slap it to wake it up and then caress it to calm it down. Exactly. You, you just don't want to do it for too long. You don't want to be like Jonathan and do it for three hours because it's a big one. You want to be able to do it like just gently so that you're not... Because otherwise, if you need it, you're, you're developing the gluten, it's going to be tough, basically. Mm. But you know what? It's better to have a crumbly bit of pastry that you push into your pie dish than to work the pastry too long. Absolutely. When it comes to favourite shortcrust recipes, we're going to post one on our OnlyFans in the coming weeks... David's going to do that. But the one I tend to use isn't David's, sorry. It's actually Ed Kimber's. Ah, so he I has this tart that he made, which was like a caramelized white chocolate and something nut bavoir tart. Very complicated, beautiful, brilliant thing. If you Google it, it's a brilliant thing to make, but it takes ages. But the actual sweet pastry that he makes in that is a perfect pastry. It's got like vanilla in it. It's one of those ones that has ground almonds. It's really nicely balanced. I really love that one. I mean, to be honest, shortcrust pastry is a very simple recipe. It tends to be the same thing each time. Yeah, yeah there's time people can put ground almonds and things in, but they're all very similar. It's how you work it. It's all about how you work it. Okay, we've got time to squeeze one more in. Oh, I can always squeeze one more in. Okay, well, here's a As long as it's short, like Mary says. (laughs) (laughs) It is short and a little bit fat. Um, Just wanted to let you guys know that I've gotten the best tip from your podcast. We love to give a tip from a podcast. (laughs) We do. I now let my kids toast cool before applying the butter. Oh, it's this one, Michael. Correct. And because of this, I am no longer subjected to the shrieking about not having enough butter because it is visible. So, thanks, Dad and Dad, for the parenting tip of the year. XOXO, she says, like well, Gossip Girl. It's actually just one dad, because it's Michael, who, this is Michael's thing with the toast. This is so my now, tip. So, there's another thing. So, not only does it help you in your eating, it's also now helping parents so that the kids can see and the And I've also genuinely received more in the Sticky Bun and Boys inbox. You can go and have a look yourself, because it exists, of people saying, thank you for this tip, because they love it. Michael's got a good tip. I, I have an excellent tip. And that's your lot from this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Remember, we're always on the lookout for questions, whether they're about Bake Off, the universe, or anything, really. And we also love your taste tests and your stories, so keep sending them on in to stickybunboys at gmail.com or slide into our DMs over at Sticky Bun Boys on social media. We'll see you next week for the least biscuity biscuit week there's ever been in the tent. To be fair, it's also the first ever biscuit week there's ever been in the tent. Still doesn't have enough biscuits. Okay, sure, right. Well, let's cross that bridge next week and we will see you then. Bye-bye, sticky, 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 (laughs) bye-bye. What the hell was that? Ready for the boring bit? Let's go. The Sticky Bun Boys are not endorsed by or affiliated with Love Productions, The Great British Bake Off, or any of its subsidiaries. All views and opinions are our own. The Great British Bake Off and all related content are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Very professional, David. In one breath. (laughs) We're all just having a bit of fun, aren't we? (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.